but it's a very small part. And actually, if you're not also paying attention to what is happening in the organisation, what are the specific stresses that people are experiencing them? Are they falling unduly hard on certain groups, on everyone? Um, can we do anything about that? If you're not looking at the systemic things, then I think most people will quite often feel that they're just being paid lip service to and that actually, you know, people don't really care. Welcome back to Wab Chat, a podcast from White and Black Limited. My name is Sam Ridgway. Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to today's episode. And before we get into it, another request from me to review and rate our podcast on whichever platform you listen. It really helps us uh, climb the rankings a bit and broadcast the podcast and the conversations we have to as many people as possible. So it's a real help for us. If you're listening on Spotify, you can do that on the main podcast page. Hit the three buttons underneath the uh, cover album artwork and you'll be able to rate it there. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can scroll down right down to reviews and ratings and and you can rate it quite easily there of course at your own discretion but ideally giving us five stars that would be a real help but moving on to today's episode i've got another great guest jess anderson obe has worked across a variety of sectors including time at the civil service during which she was awarded her obe for her role in organizing the 2012 olympic games in london She then went on to work for higher and further education as well as spending time in management consultancy. And Jess has since combined all of this experience, all of this knowledge and started her own business, her own leadership coaching organisation. And Jess coaches middle and senior management on a whole variety of leadership challenges and issues and how to solve them and best run and lead their teams. And as you'll hear today, Jess spends some of her coaching time talking to middle and senior managers about the area of high stress and burnout and how managers can deal with that for themselves personally but also for those within their teams and this is a really insightful practical listen I think especially for those who are leading teams or or leading parts of companies or leading companies full stop. We get into the discussion on burnout a really topical area at the moment with with lots of new studies out there looking at both the human but also increasingly the business impact that burnout can have but we also look at the other side and we look at how you can have periods of hard intense pressurized work that that don't necessarily lead to burnout that can be managed but how we manage that is the all-important thing so we get into all of that but i started by asking jess a bit about her career and how she has come to be where she is now so i've had um an interesting career quite a lot of variety and i think you know there's never been a kind of a grand career plan there's never really been a five-year plan let alone a 10-year or a 15-year plan um but i think i've always gone for things that have felt like they connected with um my interests but i think more importantly than that my my purpose like wanting to do something useful wanting to sounds cheesy but wanting to make a difference um when i graduated i'd uh, i'd done politics and spanish at university wasn't sure what i wanted to do but applied for a few different uh, graduate schemes and the civil service was the one that sort of really resonated and i learned a huge amount it, it, it was really good whilst i was at the home office um the uk won the right to hold the 2012 olympics 
which was amazing. And I thought, oh, that sounds exciting. That sounds interesting. Um, and I remember it quite clearly. I remember thinking, well, I'll apply for a role. It's, I think it was 2008, the very beginning of 2008 at the time. I'll apply for the role. I'll do it for a year or two. I'll probably get a bit bored, but I'll start it off. But actually that then was just such a great experience. There was no chance of getting bored. Um, what we were doing was changing every three, six months, the scale of what we were doing. Obviously, the time then starts to sort of roll on. The deadline starts to get closer. Uh, yeah, and it turned out to be a yeah, really fantastic, really fantastic experience. Challenging, difficult, brilliant, exciting, terrifying at some moments <laughs> when you thought, my goodness, are we ever going to do this? Um, but yeah, you know, really a brilliant experience to have had at quite a young age. I think I was... 30 I suppose by the time the Olympics came round um, yeah. and had been responsible for quite a large area in the end and then I saw this uh, job being advertised at the Open University which was really close to home and so I just thought well actually that is that that really tunes back into that sense of purpose so what started me off at the civil service was was purpose wanting to make a difference and now with the open university you know giving people a second chance you know people that maybe had missed out on going to university first time round or they'd been made redundant sort of mid-career and needed to to retrain to do something else um the OU works a lot with um uh, uh, prisoners who are you know getting into education whilst in prison to help their rehabilitation when they get out lots and lots of disabled students I think the highest proportion of disabled students so it just felt like actually this was really tapping into my wanting to do something that really mattered and that really made a difference the role itself was interesting the team was good so I thought yeah okay now's the now's the time to make that that switch I think I could have stayed in consulting longer certainly but um yeah the OU was too good uh, an opportunity I think to to let go and I ended up being there for five years sort of moving up a couple of levels whilst I was there so yeah re really interesting yeah amazing and um I'd like to I'd like to tap in a bit more to that that idea of purpose a bit later on I know that's mm -hmm. something you you've covered as well in the master study um more recently so maybe we can revisit that yeah. in a bit and so fr from there then take us now to today so you, you're um coaching people in in leadership roles in management roles so that's your own business How, how's that come about yeah so it's been quite a journey really and one I didn't really realize I was on I think the first time I was ever coached by a you know by a trained coach um, was was really early on in my career it was within a year or two of starting at the home office and I just remember how, how great it was to have an hour's worth of time where somebody was just talking to me asking me questions giving me their full attention not having their own agenda at all but giving me that space and time to you know talk about whatever it was that I needed to get off my chest or work through or come up with a plan. As I was getting more senior, I realised that actually the best way that I could support my my team, who themselves were managing their teams, was actually to coach. I was no longer kind of, you know, at the coal face. I was no longer sort of, you know, doing the frontline work. It was their teams that were doing that. So me directing them, telling them what to do, telling them how to do it was pretty ineffective. And actually what I needed was to help them find their way through and help them sort of support their teams to, to do that too. So I sort of, you, you know, used coaching skills as a, as a manager and as a leader. 
Um, and then I trained formally um, as, as a coach. So did my professional training. I'm now accredited by the International Coaching Federation, which is sort of one of the, the boards that oversees this. It's not a regulated industry. So there's quite a lot of people, you know, you, you can do a coaching qualification in a day or two and say, I'm a coach. Mm. Um, but actually, you know, to be, you know, to, to really understand the skills um, and to really sort of have tested that takes a lot of time and a lot of coaching practice. Um, but yeah, now I'm um, a leadership coach um, working predominantly with people who are um, normally public sector not-for-profit type bodies but not exclusively so usually in sort of mid to senior level leadership positions um, sometimes they just want a little bit of extra space to, 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 to kind of think uh, to plan out how they want to do their work Sometimes they come with particular topics that they want to work on around perhaps confidence or imposter syndrome, um, procrastination, perfectionism. Um, sometimes they're at some kind of career crossroads. They feel a little bit stuck, but they're not quite sure what direction to go in. Or they know they want something new, a change or a promotion or a progression, but they they need you know a bit of extra space and time and, and, and support to make that happen. Um, so that's how I how I spend my time. I also support a um uh, an up-and-coming ed tech firm who are helping people move into the digital technology space so i also coach some of their people uh coach some of their learners who who are going through that career change as well so that's quite a nice sort of two sides to my work yeah amazing so a really varied uh route through to where you are now there's there's so much in there um and obviously what what you do now um covers a huge a huge span so you mentioned they're helping people with confidence and, and imposter syndrome and maybe a, a crossroads of a career so you are a, a leadership coach more generally but one small aspect of that of what you will be coaching people on and something i thought would be get would be good for us to, to sort of drill down into today is helping um those you're, you're coaching so so managers with stress and pressure and burnout which is obviously hugely uh topical area at the moment and, and you, you'll be coaching um both the managers dealing dealing with it for them for themselves but also for members of their team and um I, i'd love to ask you more about this and focus on this I, I, just to contextualize it um, within the sort of current business climate there, there was a recent report uh, which I saw from AXA UK, and I think it was jointly with the Centre of Economic and Business Research, and that um, was showing that the the cost of burnout and stress effectively. So, so they estimated that um, burnout and stress was costing the UK economy around 28 billion a year, um, and and that resulted in 23.3 million sick days a year. And I think Harvard Business, Harvard Business Review did similar, and they reckon around 500 billion uh, a year is, is the cost on that. I, I presume that's, that's globally, but it's, they, they're huge figures, huge figures. And obviously, the human strain is is really significant from, from the stress and burnout itself. And, um, you know, we've seen recently with with politicians stepping back Arden stepping back and a couple of days ago there was Mark McGowan in Australia who who cited burnout for his re resignation so the human cost is huge but um you know I, th I think the business cost as well the business impact here can't can't be underestimated and I think particularly for smaller businesses the impact that that can have where you lose colleagues within a team or you know you mentioned projects like the Olympics if you if you if you lose people during that process is a very material 
um, impact. And I, I, maybe we can come on to talk about how managers can deal with that for themselves and for their businesses and their teams. Mm-hmm. But to begin with, maybe for you personally, Jess, you've had some seriously high pressure situations, particularly go back to the Olympics and, and organizing that. That was in the wake of the London bombings, I think. So the security yeah. pressures there were immense. You say sometimes that that project felt almost terrifying. Um, have, have you experienced burnout across your career? And, and if so, how has that kind of manifested itself? And then I suppose, how has that, do you think, in, informed the way maybe you now coach people to deal with it themselves? Maybe you could talk to us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think stress, different from burnout, and we can talk about kind of how one leads to the other. Um, You know, stress is absolutely a factor of most people's everyday lives. And it's certainly been a factor in, in uh, in my career. I've been attracted to those roles that are difficult, challenging, high profile. I also have a really strong work ethic. So if there's something to be done, I'll do it. If I make a commitment, I'll you know, I'm more likely to over deliver than I am to under deliver. Um, And so absolutely, there have been a few moments in my career, one in particular during the Olympics, and then one more recently as well, where that stress got to such a point, you know, it was so prolonged and so significant that actually, uh, in the in the first instance, it was I think it was 2011, so it was the year before the actual games. But we've been working on this one particular part of the security sort of um, operation for for so long, and it just felt like we weren't we weren't going to to get it. And I think sort of there was something around. I, I remember quite clearly it was summer 2011, and I think it was probably that oh my goodness, there's one year now to do mm. this this intractable problem, which you know has got. The, the best people from the private sector, the public sector, ministers are jumping up and down about it, significant financial implications, you know, we're talking sort of, you know, 100 million pound budgets that, that aren't aren't sort of balancing at the moment. It was a bank holiday weekend and my husband and I had been somewhere, um, I forget where, but we were driving back into London fairly late on the Monday evening, sort of ready to go back to work on the Tuesday. And luckily I wasn't driving. He was driving. But suddenly I basically sort of lost lost vision. The the light started to swim uh, from the other cars. Um, my vision com- completely went all, all crazy. I felt really awful. And that lasted for, for, for several hours. I still felt, felt terrible in the morning. So didn't go to work, managed to get a GP appointment, had various tests for, you know, I think they thought it was a mini stroke or something along those lines, ended up having an MRI. So I was really, really well looked after. My vision had gone back to normal, um, but I was properly tired, like sort of, you know, could sleep for a week, couldn't get out of bed, sort of tired. Um, and and ultimately, I think that was the symptoms of stress. They ruled out anything, anything else. I had a little bit oh. of time off work. I think I took another week off work. So I probably had 10 days or something like that in total um, and went back to work. But but that was a real wake up call. Like I really felt quite um, uncomfortable, I suppose, that that what I was experiencing was having such a physical impact. Mm. I'd had other symptoms of stress, you know, sleepless nights, feeling anxious, all of those sorts of stuff, but always put it down to sort of like normal. Of course, of course, you're stressed, you're, you know, you're, you're doing something that's important. Um, but that was a bit of a wake up call. Mm. Later on in my career, there was another instance where it was when I was working at the Open University, we were working on a very significant, um, really 
really big organizational change program the biggest thing that the, the university had ever done um wasn't well supported uh probably with good reason it was quite against the culture of the organization and um i had quite a sort of a a role fairly near the center not making the decisions but being responsible for enacting those decisions in a large part and again that was another time where uh you know the kind of that i could feel the stress building What's interesting, I guess, is the, the the relationship between stress and burnout. On its own, stress is not a bad thing. In fact, mild stress is actually really good for us. It helps us push out of our comfort zone. It helps us step up. It helps our performance. But when that stress is really significant, you know, um, and when it's prolonged, so um, acute stress and, and kind of chronic stress, that's when it becomes challenging. And if we're not having the opportunity to reset to manage the stress that's when it that's when it leads to burnout I don't think I'd necessarily experienced burnout during the Olympics I was exhausted by the time we finished but I think my sense of this is great the fact that there was this sort of camaraderie we were absolutely all in it together I think helped me to manage that stress there were times when you know particularly sort of just in the run-up to the games 10 30 at night we're all still there in the office we've just had a meeting with ministers and we've you know been hauled across the coals for for, for something or other bursting into tears but having other people around you that kind of makes us go oh my goodness right and the end is in sight mm. and I think my later experience that end wasn't in sight it was it was difficult the camaraderie wasn't quite there because all of us were under this pressure and none of us could quite see a way out mm. I think World Health Organization define burnout as um, as having three sort of components. There's that sense of exhaustion, feeling like really I have no energy now. I've, I'm really on sort of you know running on fumes. There's nothing else in the tank. The second aspect is feeling a sense of mental distance from your role. So perhaps a sense of um, negativity towards your role. For me, that came out of cynicism. So actually, I'd always been quite a positive, optimistic person. When I started to feel cynical about what I was doing, what everyone else was doing, what collectively we were trying to do, do that was a real sort of sign for me that this was different. Mm. And the third component is reduced reduced competence, basically being less good at your role. So that's quite. Um, you know that, that that's that's quite a sort of a sort of specific set of circumstances but certainly in my later experience um, I was definitely exhausted I was feeling that mental distance that cynicism I mean was I less good at my role quite possibly frankly I think that that was an instance for me which really did feel like burnout um, mm. and even as I came back after maternity leave you know you're, you're tired for different reasons you're tired because you've not slept and because you're kind of running around after a you know a nine or ten month old at that point um, but there was still that sort of deeper sort of deeper seated exhaustion which has I think had taken some months if not years I think for me to sort of really kind of recoup. Um, how this presents in my work now I think is really interesting so when I meet with clients for the first time I'll say you know what is it that you want to work on and they'll quite often say uh, you know a, a better relationship with my boss or feelings of imposter and confidence and, um, and all that sort of stuff but 80%, 90% of the time, there's a well-being element as well. And if I ask a question around, you know, how are you feeling generally? How is life generally? The answer is quite often, 
I feel a bit exhausted. I feel a bit tired. So we'll work on the kind of the key presenting issue, the the sort of the key work opportunity or the work challenge that they want to, to, to focus on. Um, but we'll do that in the context of how can we help you manage your stress? How can we help you proactively build your well-being, build your resilience? Because if we achieve the first thing, the better relationship with the boss, the improved confidence, but don't make any positive improvements anywhere else, that's not really that's not really enough. Um, work and life are so intertwined now for almost all of us that mm. it one one impacts the other and vice versa. So we need to see it in the round. Mm. Yeah, that that's a really interesting point and um is maybe something we can we can look at further because you mentioned now obviously the the physical uh, ramifications for you, but then also the the competence piece was really interesting. Mentioning actually having a negative effect on the on the work you're doing and that kind of mental distance, which can often lead to the negativity and the cynicism. To me, they're they're two quite big red flags for for businesses more generally. If you you know if you've got that that cynicism creeping in, in in a culture if you've got particularly if you've got that competence and the efficiency that's going to impact things massively um and uh, as you said you know you're, you're helping clients to manage burnout and stress themselves and within their team but but what is it all about and without giving too much of your your coaching away um for free on this um is it is it as simple as as companies having you know really good healthcare support systems in place and preventing the overwork and leading to burnout but before it becomes a burnout issue um is it all about prevention or is there more to it is it more holistic than that talk to us a bit about that yeah it's a great question and i don't think there's a silver bullet if there was organizations would have you know would have found it I think it really depends on a number of different factors. You know, the individual themselves, the team structure that they're in, the nature of the work, the, the organisational culture. Um, I think that um, the way I often think about it in my in my head, um, and I run team development workshops on a number of different subjects, one of which is sort of well-being and, and, and resilience. And the way I would teach it there is thinking about it as three prongs. There's the first prong is about reducing or managing or mitigating the stresses. So stress is a fact of life. It's, it is part of the workplace, but we can still and we ought to consider what those stresses are and see how we might be able to um, just just reduce the impact of them um, and how they affect different people. So reducing the, the stresses, but also taking a proactive approach to well-being and to resilience as well. So those are the second and the third prongs, proactively improving people's well-being, um, by which I mean treating well-being as an action, not just the outcome of, 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 of what, what the circumstances are, if that makes sense. We can do things that improve our well-being as individuals, but also as managers and leaders, we can do that for our team. So that's the second prong. And then the third prong is helping people to build their resilience. Some aspects of resilience are personality linked and, and sort of trait linked. It's quite hard for us to change those things. But other aspects of resilience can be taught, can be learned. So, so that's the other prong. If we only do one of those things, we'll be missing we'll be missing some tricks 
And I think quite often what what companies do when they think about well-being is they try and do some stuff which sort of um you know, free yoga lessons, free fruit in the kitchen. Here's lots of information on on the the internet to read about going mm. for a walk at lunchtime. So, you know, it's could can be helpful, but it's a very mm-hmm. small part. And actually, if you're not also paying attention to what is happening in the organisation, what are the specific stresses that people are experiencing them? Are they falling unduly hard? on certain groups, on everyone? Um, Can we do anything about that? If you're not looking at the systemic things, then I think most people will quite often feel that they're just being paid lip service to and that actually, you know, people don't really care. So what I always encourage particularly leaders and teams to do is to think about it in those three three different groups and be quite systematic about how they do that. Um, So in terms of, you know, reducing the stressors, managing the stressors, those stresses could be specific to a type of job. Um, it could be stresses that come from the relationships within an organisation. Perhaps you've got two teams that are fighting over territory and sort of stepping on each other's toes and undermining each other. That can be can, can be stressful. Um, it could be uh, stresses related to an individual career development you know feeling that they have been overlooked for promotion perhaps feeling that they've been over promoted and are feeling some stress as a result of that um and of course the stresses might also be linked to home in some way perhaps you know um I don't know, a difficult work-life balance, always feeling like you're behind because you've got to rush out dead on time to pick up kids from the child minder, whatever it might be. So there's all sorts of different stresses that somebody as an individual might be facing. But I think as leaders and teams, try and understand what does that look like? Is it is it volume of work? Is it working conditions? Is it um, unclear communications? Is it there are some abrasive people that are that are kind of causing additional trouble for example none of those things are easy to solve um but i think having a conversation having an open conversation where people are able to sort of start identifying what's causing the most stress can lead to some things being being worked through i I ran a workshop recently with um, a senior management team for a government department around well-being and, and resilience and you know, this is a central government department um, under a lot of pressure in the last six months, you know, lots of media profile, media articles about, you know, civil servants are work shy, civil servants should get back to the office, ministers like, you know, Jacob Rees-Mogg leaving the sort of the note on the desk to say, you know, I missed you, you you weren't here. Um, So feeling quite, you know, feeling quite sort of unappreciated. Um, So we identified some stresses that that were real and that were outside of their sphere of control, but we also identified stresses that were within their sphere of control. And actually, with some quite small adjustments, they were able to identify some things that were all bugging them, but actually were quite easy to fix. And the key one was back to back meetings, back to back online meetings, no time to go to the toilet, no time to stretch your legs, having to context shift from one thing to another, just as you know, with a click of a team's uh, click of a team's meeting. Um, And so they came up with some solutions that that would mean, you know, 25 minute meetings rather than 30 minute meetings, giving people that opportunity to say, you know, this this time over lunch is protected. I really need to have some time to to eat, to take a walk, etc. So being able to set some um, a culture within their unit that actually would not take away all of their stresses, but take away something that was grating on 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 all of them. Yeah, yeah, 
That's so interesting. And it is um it was one government department, obviously. So it was it strikes me that this this is got to be kind of compartmentalized because it's is not the silver bullet like you say it's not it's not going to work as a one size fits all approach and without that kind of personalization element between different teams different departments you you can't really get to the the heart of of all the factors can you so it's that that personalization is really important um the the last point you make about resilience as well is, is really interesting and you talk about the the minister ministers talking about um, civil servants being work shy and departments coming under pressure for that there is a lot of rhetoric out there mm-hmm. about you know oh, it, it it maybe wasn't like this in the old days and you know you, you just had to work through it and, and burnout wasn't really a thing has has the world gone a bit soft um and there is, I think there's probably is a case here to say, you know, some jobs and careers just, just are very high intensity and, and they're huge workloads. They're, they're not comfortable necessarily, um, but that doesn't have to be a bad thing. And, and working hard and pushing oneself is, is really, really important to success, isn't it? And like you said earlier, a, a, a low level stress is, is good for us and it, it helps push you forward. So, um, you know, not all busy pressurized spells are necessarily uh, burnout but judging the difference there is really really hard uh, I think and particularly for managers judging it for their teams and people within their teams so so knowing when it is just that busy intense period um, there's not tipping into burnout but it it's a, a factor of what you're doing um, it's hard so, so how can how can we make that that judgment how can we decide actually look this is a really intense time for our team. Um, you know, I, I think of like our corporate team here completing a deal and it's it's um, nonstop, it's back-to-back. But we're saying, okay, that is a really intense time, but we're not tipping over into burnout. How how do we make that judgment? I think- it's, it's a really good question, that bit about balance. Um, perhaps I'll come back to that in a moment. I think it is one of the hardest sort of challenges for leaders um, in today's world. Ultimately, I think it comes down to conversations, actually talking to people. Um, if you're having that busy period, you know, if it's a deal that, that needs to go through within the next two or three weeks, understanding that actually where's the rest that comes after that? Is there going to be a downtime? Is there going to be some change or some way of reinvigorating people? In which case, probably okay. If it's just back-to-back pressure, um, then the conversation, I think, becomes really important to, to see how people, you know, what people are getting from that experience. Is it hard work and pressure for the sake of it, in which case that will ultimately become de-energising over time, could lead to burnout? Or is there some thrill, some satisfaction, some growth, some energy giving quality that I think, you know, I've certainly benefited from, certainly experienced a lot in my career, that means that actually the the stress will be dissipated, the stress will be offset by the fact that there's something really exciting there. So I think having that conversation, as a leader, you can't assume that you know that for your team. You need to be having that conversation one-on-one, probably as a team as well, to check in, going beyond the, how you're doing, bit busy, isn't it? 
everything all right you know it's got to get under that it's got to get a bit more into the the, the granular of you know how are you how are you experiencing this how is your stress level is it okay how are you feeling about work are you still feeling engaged are you starting to feel disengaged why might that be i recently did a masters um of which a large proportion of which was applied positive psychology so positive psychology is the you know the science of what makes what makes life good basically what makes life worth living um really the the thing that sort of really grabbed me all the way through was what does it mean to have um, a meaningful life and I guess because work has already always been a big part of my life what does it mean to have meaning in your work what does that give us most of the science says that having um you know having meaningful work is really good for us it helps us be engaged um it helps us commit to roles we go over and above we we work sort of you know extra hours put more of uh, of ourselves more of our life into our work um and there are some physical health benefits as well that 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 come from that so um generally a really really good thing to 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 find meaning in our work what i was quite interested in is what's the dark sides of that are are there any downsides to meaning and there is much less Research around what happens if you take meaning too far. Um, some of the times when I felt most sort of challenged by work, it's because I was doing something I really cared about um, and I lost sight of the fact that perhaps other things mattered as well. You know, certainly relationships might suffer, see my husband less, um, you know, stay late to, to do something that I thought was really important. Um, and, and, and as a result, you know, see friends less, exercise less, etc. So um, as part of my master's, I did a research project which was into um, the relationships between work related stress and meaningfulness. People finding their work both meaningful, but also quite stressful. Um, and that's been really interesting. It gave me the opportunity to talk to people from a range of different sectors, private sector, public sector, charity sector, um, and likewise, different demographics, um, all of whom found their work really purposeful, threw themselves heart and soul into it, and also experienced stress. And what I found was that there are a number of different relationships between the meaningfulness and, and the stress. Um, some positive ones, some helpful ones. So, for example, um, the meaningfulness sort of offsets some of the stress. I don't mind this stress because I know what I'm doing is important. Um, also, however, the reverse, that the meaningfulness exacerbates the stress. I care so much about it that that I'm worrying about it. I can't sleep because I'm worrying about it because I know how important it is and I really want to do the best for our for our customers, for example. Um, there were also other relationships where uh, it, it, it kind of felt like the meaningfulness and the stress are almost two sides of the same coin. Um, the stress is exacerbating the meaningfulness. I'm so stressed about what I'm doing um, Therefore, it must be important. Therefore, I want to give myself even more to it. So actually, the sort of the stress sort of exacerbating the meaningfulness. Um, but it also, in some instances, the stress reducing the meaningfulness. Actually, after a while, particularly after a prolonged period, people saying, you know what, this stress is now intolerable. I'm finding less meaning in it. I'm not sure that this is, is worthwhile. So what we've kind of ended up with is quite a complex set of relationships between the meaningfulness and the stress. I don't think there's 
you know, I, I guess more work, we, we need to do more work to really understand what the optimum balance is. You know, is there a sort of a Goldilocks moment, just the right amount of meaning? I don't think there is. I think it's more about understanding that if you find a lot of meaning in your work, and you, you put yourself into it, that there are some downsides of that. And perhaps we can identify some ways of, of spotting what those are and helping people just to, to manage those so that we can still have the benefits of the meaningfulness, but without without risking perhaps some of the, the less appealing, some of the more difficult aspects of it. Um, so, yeah, a really interesting piece of work that quite often comes up in the work that I do with clients um, because because the nature of the people that I work with, they find their work meaningful and they're experiencing quite a lot of stress from it as well. Mm. It's uh, so interesting. I hadn't I, I hadn't really thought about all four of those different relationships, particularly particularly that that stress and meaningfulness being um, two sides of the same coin and one exacerbating another but the there's an interesting piece there and it's probably a completely different discussion on on generating that purpose for your organization as well and, and for your team and, and maintaining that purpose and um keeping sight of that in in a busy time and it you know there, there's there's parallels there with um other interviews i've i've done on this podcast with with people who have started uh non-profits or, or charities or businesses and talking with them about maintaining that purpose keeping that that purpose and that vision um at the forefront for for the sake of of the success and and, and the growth of the organization but actually that's a really that's a really important thing too to, to have it there for the motivation and for the balancing of of the stress that maybe your team are under so so it, looking looking forward then, Jess, because that's that's a brilliant insight. But maybe just just some thoughts on on where we're kind of going with all this, because obviously that study I cited at, at the top is very recent. There seems to be a huge huge rise in cases of of burnout and and the cost that that is having on people, but also on businesses. That seems to be maybe partly linked to um, working from home and that the hybrid environment bringing more blur to the kind of work life divide if you like but how do we sort of manage it going forward can we manage it do you, do you think actually in a hybrid environment it, it becomes almost impossible to manage at scale will those figures sort of come down where, where do you think we're going with it yeah, I mean, burnout itself is a relatively, it, it's only recently been defined as a as a condition, you know, with sort of a, a medical type definition around it. So my guess is that although it feels like a modern phenomenon, I just don't think we were realising it and recognising it previously. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. what does that mean? It means I don't think the figures are going to come down. I think they're going to stay stable, potentially increase as, as more people sort of understand exactly what it is um it is a factor i think of of of, of modern work stress and and, and and the fact that it can lead to burnout so i think for all of us whether we're leading teams whether we're you know individual contributors i think organizations need to be need to continue to have those conversations around 
you know, how it is to work here. What's great about working here? What's difficult about working here? What aspects of our of our culture and our ways of working and our processes and our technology are helping? What's hindering? And make that quite an individual conversation. So there might be a there might be a team conversation and an organisation wide sort of communication about it. But I think it's also a manager to individual because really this is quite subjective how people deal with stress um how they have we all have different types of coping mechanisms with stress some of which are effective some of which are less effective um you know it's quite an individual thing i think as managers and leaders we need to be less uncomfortable about saying to somebody how are you dealing with stuff how do you release pressure how are you finding this level of pressure at the moment what could we do to make that easier on you what might that look like um i think at the moment that can feel like quite an uncomfortable conversation to have or we're just busy you know there's 101 things we've got to talk about in a one-to-one and well-being sort of feels like a bit fluffy and a bit nice to have so i think that that's that needs to 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 continue to to, to change to, to move in the right direction um and i think you know as individuals we also need to get a bit smarter perhaps about those boundaries between between work and life um you've mentioned hybrid hybrid is challenging it really is a, a challenge i think um if in terms of well-being it can work well you know there were quite a lot of people who i think particularly during the sort of the lockdown periods you know went for those walks took the opportunity to do a long walk before lunch maybe uh, before work maybe something at lunch and actually sort of were able to build that exercise and that bound that that sort of separation between work and life into into their work i think we've now all slipped into a different way of oh actually i can just start work earlier if i'm not in the office and don't have to commute and i can finish work later um and i'll look at my phone in the evening and actually that's now you know it's now normed to, to do so i think as individuals we need to um you know, take take responsibility for how we the, the the steps that we can play in terms of managing that stress. The single biggest thing is exercise. I mean, that really is the best way of resetting your your, your stress cycle. It doesn't make the stresses go away, but it gives us that opportunity to to think, to to breathe, to be away from it. Um, and the you know the, the the physical motion of moving your body is really really helpful in terms of releasing stress. So you know, as a manager and leader, you're not necessarily going to be encouraging everyone to do a, a few laps of the office uh, around lunch necessarily. Um, but as individuals, I think that is something that we can we can and should do. Mm. Yeah, that is. I think for maybe for managers and and leaders listening to this, I think um, yeah that that point on communication and having those conversations is is so important and it you know i i wonder if if i wonder how many the percentage of, of problems that, that the businesses face that come down to communication mm-hmm. must must be huge and you think it's you think it's a kind of systems or processes based issue or um like you mentioned earlier a, a sort of well-being initiative issue but but without that that communication and and the personalization we we've mentioned i think um you you don't get very far do you and so that's that's the kind of the the key message i've taken from that but um yes it's been a fascinating insight thank you so so much for for sharing your time and and talking us through that it's a it's a huge conversation i feel like there's 
there's so many different directions we could take the discussion beyond that but it's it's a, um, a brilliant insight and really appreciate you taking the time thank you